0: In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Tokenet Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc.
1: It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi.
2: Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine here today, and I am so excited to report back as to how my trade show went at the NACDS that most of you know I was attending this week. Um, the NACDS is the National Association of Chain Drug Stores, and um, it was such an incredible experience. You know, my lesson that I learned this week that I would like to pay forward is is that you have to believe in yourself. I say that quite often, but going to a big trade show where I was the inventor, the manufacturer, and the distributor of my booth, it was kind of daunting at first. I was um, quite nervous about taking that big trip on my own and you know, getting ready for all of my big meetings. But I must say, I kind of threw my shoulders back. I said, I've been working five years on my project with Glovies, and I'm going to give this my best shot. And I have to tell you, my lesson to pay for it is to keep an open mind. And there are so many people around you, especially entrepreneurs that are always willing to help you. So I had an amazing experience, and there are certain people I just wanted to thank for their help, and I want to start with the Martin family. They were incredible. Jill had actually suggested that I try to promote my radio show, Paying It Forward, and we did a really big banner, and it was such a piece of conversation that um, it's amazing. So my listeners out there are going to be so happy to hear I have some incredible guests lined up for my show coming forward. So while I was there, I had asked a few entrepreneurs there if they had a little bit of advice to uh, share this week. And um, Steve Couture, he was my neighboring booth, and he was amazing. And we were talking about sales. So Steve's quote is, Sales starts when you hear the word no. Ah, I thought that was so amazing. So Steve was an inspiration, and he helped me tremendously. So I hope you can, you know, really think about that quote. He said, you know, sales, it really just starts when you hear that word no. Okay, and then I had Paul Davis. Paul was a sweetheart. He actually had the booth across from me with Bev Bev? Arrowwood. And um, what a great product that is, Blue dots. Uh, you should really look them up on the web because I am just in love with that product. Um, I used it to attach my business card to all my material this whole week, uh, the whole entire show, and it's a great product. So what does Paul have to say? He said that when he was younger, somebody had given him this piece of advice, and it always stuck with him. It, and it is, position yourself to always have choices. You want to be able to make choices because as long as you have choices, you have control. I thought that was a really, really good quote also. And then I had one more quote from Scott Anderson. Scott is with RSI, Retail Solutions. And um, I thought this was really interesting. We say it quite often on the show, but he said, being an entrepreneur... Is about patience and perseverance. Have goals and willing, and be willing to overcome obstacles until you reach your goals. So that's a quite a common one, but an important one that we must, you know, always remember. So that's my little intro for paying it forward this week. But I am so excited! I have two amazing guests for you today. My first guest is Betty Ann. Hagee, which Betty Ann, I hope I'm pronouncing you right. Am I pronouncing it right, Betty Ann?
3: Yes, you are.
2: Oh, good. So, um, Betty Ann, I just want to give you a quick introduction. Um, Betty Ann is a truly successful woman who has decided to really spend the rest of her her life paying it forward, and I thought she she would be perfect for our show. She... um, is the stiletto chick. Is that okay, Betty, that I call you stiletto chick? Um, Betty Ann had actually um, lost 100 pounds not once but two times in her life, and I cannot wait to hear the story about that because we know how difficult it is to lose 5 pounds and to lose 100 pounds twice is amazing. So we want to congratulate her on that. And hear her story. And also she's the originator of gender physics. Ooh, it's such an amazing concept that um, to be successful, you have to have the balance of your masculine side and your feminine side. So uh, I'm just so excited to hear about that. And the six stiletto steps, we're going to hear about that. And we're also going to get a little snapshot of Betty Ann's ebook, which is Love the Woman in the Mirror. So with that, I would like to introduce Betty Ann Hagee. And um, how are you doing, Betty Ann? Thank you for being a part of our show.
3: Oh, thank you for having me. This is delightful.
2: Yeah, I'm so excited, Betty Ann. You know, um, as my listeners know, a few weeks ago, I was in Washington for um, the Hutt Mamas Project. And... You and I, were both finalists, and it's just such a wonderful program all about, you know, how it's so important to mentor the younger women and to help people, you know, follow our footsteps, and um, we're going to talk more about that in the second half of the show, so, um, or the second portion of, of your show. So, um, Betty Ann, tell me, how did you get started with all of this? Tell us your story. I'm dying to know.
3: Well, probably like you. Women have a lot of changes in their lives, and I had been a corporate executive. I'd worked my way up the corporate ladder. I was a senior vice president in the world's largest fertilizer company, and I did a lot of mentoring in my job, and I really enjoyed doing it. And to me, mentorship, when you can help other people grow, is really a way that you grow yourself. But, you know, eventually I just kind of got to a point where I thought, I've done everything I'm going to do here and I am a lifelong learner and I want new experiences and I don't think life is a dress rehearsal and I need to go and do other things. So I resigned from my job and it was a very scary experience because I had worked in that job for 26 years and devoted myself to it and it was such a big part of who I was. And the people that I worked with couldn't believe I was leaving because they just thought, I would die without that job. I was, it was <laughs> such a part of my identity, right? And I have to tell you, it was like going and jumping into the deep end of a swimming pool. I didn't know whether I was could swim or could up for air or not. And I started spending a lot of my time on mentorship. I had done a lot of mentoring in my job, and it was something that I found very fulfilling. And I spent started spending a lot of time with. Other women, helping them, because I really believe that we need more women in management positions in the system, and that women need mentorship to stay there. If yeah, you I ask, them, yeah, if you ask a man, a successful man, if he's had a mentor, fewer than thirty percent of them will say yes. But if you ask a successful woman, one hundred percent of them will say yes. Oh, that's great. So, you know, if we want women to stay in the system, we need mentorship. So I started spending a lot of time mentoring. And I would, once in a while, I'd receive an award or something, I'd have an opportunity to be on a podium, and I'd go out and I'd stand there and I'd say, we need women who are mentors, and everyone here should mentor a woman. And then the next day I'd get phone calls from guys saying, you know, I have a young woman in my office, would you mentor her? And eventually I was getting to the point where I felt like I'd adopted the world. (laughs) And so then I would start saying, well, no, I can't mentor them. I have too much on my plate, but let me find a good mentor for them. So then I would get together with this young woman and find out what their goals and needs were, and then I would match them with somebody that I knew. And I make jokes that when you're running a free service, it's amazing how you can grow your business. Right. Because all of a sudden I had more people than I could matchmake than I could take time for. So then I went to our university and I said, Would you? I have the whole basis, the the skeleton of how you would run a good mentorship program, and I want to spend money on philanthropy anyway, so I will pay for this program if you will administer it. Wow. And they agreed to do that. So we've just finished our first year running this mentorship Mm -hmm. program, Mm -hmm. and it has been the most gratifying thing. All these young women have come out and joined this program, and we've matched them with mentors. We've had networking sessions. We've had training sessions. But mostly it's been the opportunity for these women to come together in an environment where they're with all other women and they feel safe talking about their problems and getting the expertise of the women who are gathered there. You know, we had one one young woman stand up and say, I just know every time I go into a meeting where... I have something important that I need to say and I need to win people over that I start talking really fast that I can tell by the tone of my voice that I've lost (laughs) before I even start. And then the people in the room say, you know, take a deep breath. Gather your thoughts. Gain some support from others for your ideas before you go into the meeting. Once you're there, call upon them and let them say their pieces as well. And by the time this young woman leaves, she's got some tips. And I can tell you that seeing the women come to these meetings and leave and stand taller and talk with more confidence is absolutely the greatest experience of my life. So it's just been so worthwhile.
2: Oh, Betty Ann, I mean, this is why I have you on my show, because this is the whole entire concept of paying it forward, that you, after being in business for 26 years, have learned so much. And the idea that... Why keep all those lessons you've learned to yourself when look how many people you have been helping? And we're coming up on a, a break real soon, but before we do, we have about 10 seconds. Betty Ann, how many women were involved in your program?
3: 44. Wow,
2: 44 women that you've changed their life, I'm sure. But okay, Betty Ann, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back very
3: shortly. They're having a break right now. What do you think?
1: We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirossi right after these on toginet.com. Critical thinking in the real world What does it take to get ahead and stay ahead of the curve in this ever-changing world around us? Critical thinking in the real world with Janet Hens Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central on Toginet. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central, part of the Her Inside Network on TogiNet.com. Believe, to Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire. Inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairyTaleWishes Inc.com. And for Diana, the next big Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Diana Cohen. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central, part of Her Insight Network on toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girassi on toginet.com.
2: Okay, well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine, and um, I'm so excited that Betty Ann Hagee is with us today. So, Betty Ann, before we get started with our se- excuse me, second portion of your interview here, um, can you just let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you?
3: Absolutely. I have a website. It's called www.stilettochick.com. That's two L's, two T's. I do a uh, blog a couple times a week. I send out a newsletter, and I have some clips on there from some of the speaking that I do. And please go on my blog, or you can be my friend on Facebook. It's Betty Ann Hagee. I'd love to connect with everybody. I have so much fun on Facebook.
2: Oh, yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's just a great way to get your, your message out, Betty Ann, which I think is wonderful. So, Betty and real quick, um, I would love to hear what you're doing in Afghanistan, and then I want to switch gears and maybe talk about the stiletto chick for a little while.
3: Sure. Um, first of all, last summer I went to Italy to give a speech on a panel called Gender Equity for Greater World Harmony. And on that same panel with me was a most amazing woman, Dr. Sakina Yacoubi, Y-A-C-O-O-B-I. And she and I, she talked about the importance of education. She ran 80 secret schools for girls under Taliban rule in Afghanistan. And she now has expanded that organization uh, where she now has 120 schools under an organization called Afghan Institute of Learning, AIL. And I talked about the importance of mentorship. And I said, you know, we have most of the... The highest marks coming out of high schools are coming from girls. They're getting into the best universities. They're streaming into the professional colleges. They're getting the highest salaries coming out of high school, uh, coming out of university because it's based on marks. And then they get into the workforce, and within two years, the boys have surpassed them in salary, and within five years, the boys are being made partners, and the girls are dropping out. So I said, it's a patriarchal system designed by men for men, and it's hard for women to navigate the system. That's why we need mentorship. And as soon as the panel was over, she made a beeline towards me and said, I want you to mentor some of my women. I want you to bring them to Canada. I don't have any money. You'll have to raise the money, but I want you to put them in your mentorship program. We need your help. And I went back to my hotel room that night, and I kind of tossed and turned and thought, oh boy, this is a tall order. But (laughs) then I thought, you know, I have a lot of Air Canada, if we can fly our miles, and I have a house with a couple of spare bedrooms because my children have left home, and yeah, I can use my frequent flyer miles to bring them over and yes, they can stay in my house and I have a I can put them in my program and I have a lot of friends that can that are in senior positions as women that can get them into their offices and show them women as administrators and in hospitals um, in hospitals and, and in education and so I went to her the next day and said, Yes, I'll do it.
2: Amazing. Amazing. The concept of paying it forward doesn't get any better than that, Betty Ann. (laughs) Opening up your house, using all your frequent flyer mileage, and bringing women from Afghanistan, okay? (laughs) That's, That's great. I mean, what an example you set for everyone out there. That's great. So, so that's wonderful. So the women have learned a lot, I am sure, and I'm sure that well, we were haven't so had,
3: had them here yet. We've had Doctor Sakina Yakubi here, and we're getting ready to have the women come as well.
2: well. That's great. Well, I wish you all the luck in the world with that, and we're going to have you back on the show, Betty Ann, because I want to hear exactly what happened with your mentoring of the women in Afghanistan. Well, thank you. Yeah. So that sounds great, but um. I'm moving quickly here because I'm dying to hear about the stiletto chick. (laughs) Okay. So tell us, Betty Ann, what happened? It sounds like you were working so much that maybe you didn't have time, you know, for yourself. So I don't know. I'm dying to hear your story. I'll let you tell it. Go ahead.
3: Okay. Well, I actually have written an e-book on this topic that is available on my website called Love the Woman in the Mirror. And basically what I talk about in that book is how it's so easy to get wrapped up in the external world that we lose sight of our internal. And if we don't have connection with our internal, we don't know when we're hungry or when we're not, when we're tired or when we're not, and we don't know how to take care of ourselves, and we don't know what we even like to eat. because We are so busy. We are so connected to the outside world. So I talk about developing your internal power so that you have a better balance between internal and external and what you do in the outside world comes from who you are inside. And when you have that, you know the feeling of peace. And when you know the feeling of peace, you can approach food peacefully, you can approach your exercise peacefully, and you feel peaceful with yourself. And I can tell you that when I was working, I was so wrapped up in the outside world in wanting everything that I did to be perfect, in wanting to make sure that I didn't make any mistakes, that I was completely externally driven and I lost sight of my inside I didn't, I was unaware of who I was, of when I was tired, of what I liked to eat, and as a result, I was very disconnected. And when you become disconnected, it's hard. You feel that you're a world, you are at war with the world because you're trying to control it. And that's basically the basis of my book and the basis of my whole learning program for myself. And I developed these six steps that I say we need to develop self awareness self-acceptance, what I call self-assurance, which means that we have friends who support us in our journey in trying to make change, that we take the time for self-care, we give ourselves the time and the space that we need to take care of ourselves, and that we recognize that we're always going to be tested in any change in our lives, in anything that we try to do, and that means that we need to have self-reliance. And we develop that strong inner core by always staying connected to what I call our effortless energy, our ability to know who we are and what it is that we want to do. It's really connecting with who we are inside. And once you've taken those steps, you really do feel more connected, you, you are, and you have a great cause for celebration. And once again, the celebration is not the external world telling you that today is a day that we should celebrate, and therefore you should go and do all the work that we can celebrate but rather that you have a sense of celebration of who you are and that you feel joy in your life, that you can go out and feel that what you're doing is fun because it's coming from inside and it's who you are and you feel good about connecting with the world outside.
2: Wow, that is so powerful. I have to tell you, Betty Ann, as soon as my radio station's over, I'm going to go straight to your blog. Because <laughs> you really, really are inspirational. And I just love the concept of really looking inward. Because I had somebody once tell me, you know, with my business, um, with the Glovies, it's um, it's very, very, it's a challenging business. And I'm trying to juggle working and the household all at the same time. And I remember somebody saying to me once that you just need to close the door in your office and listen to the silence.
3: What a great thing.
2: Listen to the silence. Just listen to what's going on inward. And that's exactly what I thought about when you were going through your six stiletto steps because it just makes sense that... How can you really be involved with the outside if you don't know what's really, what's making you tick on the inside? And once you find that peace, and like the way you explained it, that balance, I think the outward stuff comes so much easier.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: It's funny. funny, I I always call it, you know, when things are are bothering me or things need to be worked out, I call it occupying space in my mind.
3: (laughs) Yes, (laughs) And
2: what that means is that, you know what, that quiet time, it's time for me to sit down by myself and just clear my mind and, um, you know, kind of make a pathway there so we can go forward. And it's a challenge, and I'm sure in your situation when um, you were going through your weight loss, I'm sure you have ups and downs where it's probably really difficult to accept when things aren't going the way you're going. and. How did you deal with that, Daddy Ann?
3: Well, I basically went back to my steps, and frankly, what you have just described, which is closing your office door and listening to the silence, would be something that I would call a step for self-care tool. Okay. And I call it, it's, I, I, the way I describe my steps is I say it's like the hero going on the journey, and I love the great mythical stories like Star Wars, and in all of those stories, interestingly enough, the young, it was an ordinary boy or girl, and they heard a call. They heard a call to go on the quest. And that call is the same as us being aware enough to know that we need to make change in our lives. And for me it was losing weight, but for somebody else it could be something entirely different, like maybe changing a job. And the second thing you do is that you accept the call. And once you accept that call... And it's accepting that you're different than other people. It's accepting that you're not going to stay in the status quo. I say it's exactly the same as a young student getting out of high school that knows that they really love English, but they decide to go into geology because they think there's more jobs there. Accept that you're really good in English. Accept who you are and how you're different because we all have an individual gift. And then I say you've got to surround yourself with people who will support you on that journey and find a mentor to support you. Yeah. And then find the self-care tools. So you describe the self-care tools, and it's the same as mythical heroes that maybe took with them a three-headed dark guard dog or a magic ring or a special potion or an invisibility cloak. We all need self-care tools because we know that we're going to end up standing there like Luke Skywalker right. facing Darth Vader, that large Darth for- dark form, and you have, you've lost your lightsaber, and you have to face them all by yourself with only who you are inside. And that's what develops your inner core.
2: And I agree with that, Betty Ann. And one other thing is that I think all of this takes so much courage. It takes courage to say to yourself, you know what, I need to lose weight and I'm going to do everything I can to do that. Or it takes courage to say, wow, I really am at a crossroads in my in my life and I'm going to change that. Or, wow, I've been in a job for 26 years and I'm just going to jump in that deep end of the pool and give it a shot and follow, <laughs> follow my dream.
3: So, but you know what, Josephine, courage is such a, um, it sounds scary. You sort of sit there and think, I don't have courage. So what okay. I always say to people yeah. is take really baby steps. Okay, just sort good. of say, today I'm only, if you are afraid that by making a commitment to exercise that you're going to fail, just say, today I'm going to stand up and walk in place. What to one T V commercial.
2: I think that's such a great idea. Take baby steps. But Betty Ann, I am so disappointed that this interview flew by because it was so informative. <laughs> It was so great, and I want you to know, Betty Hagee, we are having you back on Paying It Forward because you are the true definition of what it's like to take lessons and to share it with other people. So thank you so much for being part of our show today. Thank you. you,
3: Bye-bye. We're going to
2: have you back, Betty, real soon. Thanks again.
1: We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, right after these on toginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life, Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central, part of the Her Insight Network. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Gerassi on Toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's
2: Josephine. So today I I have Rich Richie Byrne, who is a comedian who's going to be raising some charity money um, next week. We'll have Richie tell you all about that. And I am absolutely thrilled to have Richie on my show because Richie's actually a childhood friend of mine who went to school with my older brother, and we met. It's kind of a funny story. I went to the Dr. Oz show a couple of months ago, and they had this incredible comedian, And I turned to the woman sitting next to me, and I was holding my stomach, laughing so hard that I had tears coming down my eyes. And I said, I think this is the funniest comedian I've ever heard in my life. And I actually sat through Chris Rock's um, presentations or whatever, comedian shows, comedy shows, I should say. I'm half delirious today because of no sleep. But anyway, so with Richie's show, I have to tell you, it was it was just hysterical. So all the women were laughing, and we had such a good time. So after listening for about five minutes, something clicked in my mind, and I said, oh, my goodness, this voice sounds so familiar. And I look up, and all of a sudden it clicked. Richie and I haven't seen each other in, let's just say, a few decades, Rich. <laughs> and um, and I was just so excited to see him. He is a wonderful person, and I can't wait to share his story with you. So with that, I'd like to introduce Richie Byrne.
0: I love I, how you had to say that you, I went to school with your older brother. <laughs> you just had to throw that in.
2: I'm getting a little sensitive about my age, Rich. My birthday was last week, and my 8-year-old my said to me, Mom, now I know how you, how old you are. I said, oh, great. He said, well, you were 21 last year, so you must be 22 this year. <laughs>
0: Well, that'd be good because that would make me about 25. So I would love that. So that that. sounds good.
2: (laughs) So, Richard. How are you? You sound so
0: sexy.
2: I'm doing great. I had um, a very busy, busy week. Um, I took the red eye home from California last night. So I was thrilled that um, I was able to get home and do the radio show live. So, um, and I'm just so excited to have you on my show. Uh, and I pleasure. can't wait to hear the whole story. Like, what made you become a comedian? When did it all happen? I mean, you were hysterical in grammar school, but <laughs> when, when did you realize that was your calling?
0: Uh, very late, really, for comics. From comedy standpoint, pretty late. I uh, well, I mean, I was always kind of outgoing when we were kids. And um, I always wanted to get involved in acting. And when I got into high school, um, I, I realized that the only way to do that was to audition for the plays, you know, the high school plays, and they were all musicals, and I was lucky enough to be able to sing a little bit. So I auditioned for the play, and I got in, and then I started going around from school to school doing the plays, and went to, actually went to Wagner College and majored in theater, and got a degree in theater from Wagner College, and the whole time... People were always saying, especially in college, people were saying, you know, you're so funny. Like, I tell stories at parties or whatever. People were like, you should go do stand-up. You should go do stand-up. And I had a few professors in college who said, any door that you can get to open up is going to help you. So my whole belief, I was so naive at the time, was, you know what? I'll go to a couple of clubs in the city. I'll get on stage. Maybe I'll get kind of good at this, someone will see me, I'll get an agent, I'll become a big actor. It never really was about, for me, about being a comic. And okay. I started, I, you, I got, this was about two years after college. So when I got out of college, I was doing a lot of national tours and summer stock, different play, a lot of theater. And from there, whenever I was between jobs, I would start going into clubs in the city. But, you know, they don't go, okay, go ahead, go on, you're on. You know, I, I remember going the improv and things like that. So you had to find ways to get on stage. And as a young comic, it's it that's the hardest part. When come when people ask me today, they say, "How do you get started in comedy?" I'm like, "I don't know," because I can tell you how it was twenty years ago when I started. But I don't know if it's the same way today. And what we we I kind of got lucky. Um, I met somebody who a guy by the name of Tim Davis who had clubs in back rooms of bars. You know what I'm saying? In New York, oh, yeah, on 14th absolutely. Street and stuff. I'm, so That's he, great. Yeah. yeah, he would do open mics where it'd just be all comics, new comics, and one show was an open mic, the next show you had to bring your friends. So there was always a reason. If you didn't bring friends, you couldn't go on. So there was a lot of that. You know what I mean? Because they weren't going to put you on on stage at the comic strip or Dangerfields or, or Caroline's. Oh. It wasn't going to happen. From there, I started meeting comics, and this is where the whole pay it forward thing comes in. It's so true in comedy. I would meet uh-huh. comics, and they would go, hey, you're kind of funny. You want to come open for me at a club in New Jersey? Or you want to come? Wow. But, you know, I mean, I remember going up to Springfield, Mass, for $50. You know, oh, And, wow. and I, start, I got lucky. I started getting asked to go and do out-of-town out work about six months to a year in, which is really quick. So that was, you know, that was pretty good. And you start opening for guys who are headliners, and you just start getting better and better. And you start meeting guys who go, "Hey, uh, I, this guy booked this club. I gave him your name. Call him." And and that, and then you try and make a tape, and you get the tape out to whoever you can. And I I, I got. I mean, I I'd like to. I say I got lucky, but I think I was pretty good, pretty quick. So that yeah, you put. know
2: what, Rich? I was just going to say that what you're doing as a comedian is really running a business and what I do here on the show is we always talk about the lessons we learned in business. And when you were talking, it dawned, you know, the light bulb went off and I said, you know what, this is all great, but sometimes you just need that lucky break, but the luck is great if you can get that lucky break, but you know what, you got to be darn good. If you're not good, it goes, the luck gets you nowhere. But if you're really good, which you are, and you get that little lucky break, that's when one foot goes in front of the other and things start to click and the chain starts moving. And I think Without that's exactly what happened with you, which is, you know, it's inspirational for anybody out there who's even thinking about becoming a comedian. So, okay, yeah. then what happened, Rich?
0: Uh, well, over time, I started to. Have, it's amazing, Josephine, because people say, you know, you have to have five minutes first. You have to have five really strong minutes. Then you have to have fifteen really strong minutes. Then you have to have thirty really strong minutes. Once you have forty-five really strong, forty-five to an hour, then you can be a headliner. And a lot of guys, the prop, a lot of guys want to jump ahead now. They're like, hey, I'm ready to headline. You're like, no, you're really not, because you have to, when you're the headliner, you have to be sure that. No matter what direction the audience goes, you can go with them. And the hard thing about comedy is you have mm-hmm. to fail to succeed. I mean, that's true in a lot of things, but there's only oh, one way to fail in comedy, and that's right in front of everybody.
2: Oh, that's so interesting, Rich. But you know what? The good thing about that is if you do fail, it's right there in front of your face where it's not something you got to figure out. It's no, just like, uh, with,
0: oh, well, God, yeah, yeah, without it. But you have to figure out what happened. Are you... Exactly. You know, you I mean, you can do shows and tell stories and jokes one night and they're just everything is just clicking. And the next right. night it's not working. And you're like, what happened there? And a real pro, once you get to the point where you really know what you're doing, if something's not clicking, you can switch gears. And, you, you know, I have I have certain stories now that I know this if this doesn't work, something's wrong with this audience. You know what I mean? Right, right, And that just takes years of doing it and and failing. And, uh, I mean, you know, but I would say uh, Colin Quinn once said, I thought it was such a great, he said, if you're not bombing uh, at times, you're not doing your job because it's real easy to go out there once you have an act and do the same act over and over again. You know, you, you know this works. Well, that gets tired, and that doesn't really make you much of an artist. It's the guys that go out there and some nights and just go. And that's what the city's good for, New York City and, uh-huh. e- and even L.A. You all you can go into a club on a Tuesday night in front of seven people and just go, I'm doing all new material today. Yeah. I saw Jerry Seinfeld uh, oh, come into a club. He was working a whole new act. And it was on a Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and he just would show up at a club And go up. And, you know, so you're sitting in this club, you don't know any of these comics, and all of a sudden they go, "Uh, guess what, Jerry Seinfeld just walked in. And the place goes berserk, Josephine. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me tell
2: you, Rich, I was in Manhattan with my sister. This is going back about ten years ago. And we were on Amsterdam, right across from uh, the Museum of Natural History. Okay. What's the comedy place right there? You go, you take, uh, anyway, you take a couple of steps down. It was right there at Amsterdam and, um, and 70-something. Right here. Oh, 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 uh, Stand Up New York. What stand is it? Stand Up New York.
0: On seventy uh, 70,
2: 79th. Yeah, what was the name of it, Rich?
0: Stand Up New York.
2: Yeah, that's it. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm sitting there with my sister, and the guy was really funny. And all of a sudden, next thing you know... Who walks in the back door? Just like you said, it was Chris Rock. Right. And He walked right up on that stage, and the entire audience—we all looked at each other, like, "Is this really happening?" Right. But you're—you're you're probably so right that ironically,
0: it was at Stand Up New York that <clears throat> Jerry Seinfeld walked in when I was working. So oh, it's funny—it's so the funny. same club we're talking about.
2: All right. So and we gotta go I'll to never
0: forget—he went up and uh-huh. he said, "He said, I'm just going to do new material. I'm working a new act." And for the yeah. first 15 minutes, because it's Jerry Seinfeld, they were with him no matter what he said. They laughed so hard. But then they started <laughs> to realize it wasn't as strong as his stuff. And when I gave, I thought it was amazing because he stayed focused on, I have to work this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And to uh-huh. me, that's a true pro. He didn't go into things that he knew would completely work. He knew why he was there. Don't get me wrong. He was still great. The guy's a genius. He's amazing. Yeah. But to watch him know I'm here for a purpose. So, you know, I wish it's amazing to watch. And it's hard to do. There's so many times where you say, I need to feel better about myself. And so right. you start doing stuff that you know is going to work, you know?
2: Right, right. But it's amazing how everything you're saying just goes hand in hand with running a business, also.
0: Right, absolutely. You know,
2: that just like you said, you've got to stay focused. And. You have to figure out what your goal is, and you have to figure out your plan, which is, which is your script, I guess. And you just keep practicing until you figure out what, what makes it work.
0: Right, right. The so, thing I try and tell young comics, too, is you can't dwell on what anybody else is doing. You can't control anything but what you do. So if somebody else, because there's no rhyme or reason to this business. So, I mean, I've been at it 22 years, 18 professionally, and I'm established, but I'm not a star. Eddie Murphy did stand up for three years and was a star. There's no rhyme or reason to that. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not trying to compare myself to Eddie Murphy. He might even be a bad example because he's so talented. But.
2: Yeah. Did no, you, go to I commercial? You. Oh. you know what we're going to do, Rich? We're going to take a real quick break, and we'll be back for our last segment of Paying It Forward in just a minute with Richie Byrne. Thanks so much.
0: No problem.
1: We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Gerasi right after these on TogiNet.com exploring the world from the kitchen counter. It's Kitchen Chat with Margaret McSweeney. Fridays at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Part of the Her Insight Network. Margaret is a busy mom, an accomplished writer, a former banker, and a woman with a heart for charity. Margaret believes the kitchen is more than just the heart of the home. It's the heart of the world, and food is a universal language. Join Margaret each Friday at her kitchen counter as she chats with authors, chefs, doctors, bankers, publishers, artists, and many other interesting people who will not only share what's going on in their lives and professions, but who also will share their favorite recipes. Now, being an adult orphan has touched and changed Margaret in ways beyond measure, yet she turned it into something positive with Pearl Girls. For more information on Margaret and her passion for cooking and charity, check out her website, margaretmcsweeney.com, and her blog, From Finance to Fiction, at blogspot.com. Come hungry for more than just food, it's food for the soul. Fridays, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, it's Kitchen Chat with Margaret McSweeney. So, Green, Green Halloween to tips, tricks, ideas, and projects for every holiday. You'll love Celebrate Green. You can check them out online, too, at CelebrateGreen.net and GreenHalloween.org for more information. The newsletter, the blogs, places to shop, cool extras, and so much more. So get ready to Celebrate Green, the radio show with Lynn and Corey, Wednesdays at noon Central Time, starting November 4th on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur or be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com.
2: So we're back with Richie Byrne of the Richie Byrne um, Show. And Richie, before we get started with our last segment, can you just tell my listeners how can they get in touch with you if they want?
0: The Richie Byrne Show will be uh, next Wednesday, a week from today, June 16th, at Gotham Comedy Club. Uh, it's on West 23rd Street between 7th and 8th in New York City. Uh, you can call for reservations at 212-367-9000. Uh, it's a $20 ticket, two-drink minimum. Uh, all the proceeds go to Comedy Cures Foundation. Uh, Comedy Cures is a, a nonprofit company I've been working for for years, and um, They bring therapeutic comedy programs to children and grown-ups who are living with illness and trauma. Uh, I'm very uh, just overwhelmed to be involved with them. Saren Rothberg is the name of the woman who started it. Ten, 12 years ago, she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, and she beat it. They told her, go home and get everything in order, and she beat it. And a big part of why she thinks she beat it is every night – after chemo, whatever she went through, she watched video of comedians to make her laugh. She didn't want to go to bed sick. She didn't want to go to bed. She wanted to go to bed laughing. And she and her daughter every night would watch videos of Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, every night. And she believes that, that power of laughter had a lot to do with her beating this cancer. And so she brings laughter and joy. She's an amazing speaker. She's an amazing friend. She and I she actually had a radio show last year in New York uh, called uh, Comedy Cures. And I was her sidekick and we had a lot of fun doing it. They're they're trying to get it to go national. We're in the middle of all of that seeing if it's going to happen or not. But uh, that all the proceeds from my show will go to that to Comedy Cures. You can look up uh, the com w, uh, www.comedycures.org. To explain everything about the company and who they are you can find me at richieburn.com, b-y-r-n-e or find me on facebook uh you know so but again we're at gotham on 23rd street on june 16th reservations 212-367-9000 the show's at seven
2: that's great richie i'm so glad that you told everybody
0: and... yeah the show isn't just i was telling you off the other show isn't just stand up we do sketches we have music. Greg Geraldo from Last Comic Standing is going to be my stand-up guest, and he's okay. terrific. Uh, oh, Michael yeah, he's Lowry hysterical. from All My Children is going to be on the show. It's going to, it's going to be a lot of different uh, celebs in the audience who are going to uh, maybe do some meet and greets after the show and things like that. And It's just going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a blast.
2: It sounds like a great time, so I'm going to try to come, Rich. I would love you to come.
0: <laughs> I have, have, to have to see, see if see I can that. get a big I heard you—you know—you were talking about me, but it was so funny when I looked out in the audience and saw you at Dr. Oz. That was, <laughs> that you know, I, a I do the warm-up for Dr. Oz, and there's there's little Josephine Payone, <laughs> all grown up.
2: That was so funny, and I think the audience thinks like that was part of the act, and I was like, no, that's I don't I haven't seen him right. in forever, you know. And they kept looking at me, and the lady next to me kept elbowing me, like, come on, you guys. You, you know, you planned this. I was like, no, really, we didn't. It
0: was, funny. <laughs> it was very funny. Did you see, funny. were you on TV? You must have been. You were right in the center there.
2: Yeah. Did you see um, the we show? We up getting a little on TV. I'm dying to get um, Dr. Oz to get behind my gloves. Yeah, um, I know. I mentioned,
0: I talked to him about it a little bit. Uh, and I, I talked to his people. It's hard to get to him. Oh, uh, sure. I, I hope so. They're really, you know, it, they get bombarded with so many. Oh, sure different companies trying to get them to promote, and I, I think it's, it's hard to get for them to leaf through everything.
2: Oh, sure. I totally understand that. Um, but, yeah, so we'll get to Dr. Oz soon enough. But you know what, Richard? So tell us, how did you end up on Sex and the City?
0: <laughs> well, That's like, so funny. Well remember I so, said it
2: such a ball.
0: Remember I said I got it to stand up to try and open doors for acting?
2: Right, that only right. took
0: about 12 years. <laughs> you know what i oh mean i got in, yeah. I got really into stand up. I started to realize I could work every week in stand up comedy and get paid, whereas with acting you 're in and out you, you sometimes you work and a lot of times you 're not okay. and I got incredibly busy with stand up and I was doing that all the time and throughout that time, I got a manager and the manager got me an agent. I have an agent for TV, an agent for commercials, an agent for cruise ships. I mean, it's ridiculous how many agents I have for someone no one ever heard of. Right. <laughs> and, um,
2: oh, that's so funny.
0: And I went in and auditioned for Sex in the City, and they liked what I did, and they put me on. Most people, if you know the show, you know who I am. They, um, they uh, went to Atlantic City for Charlotte's birthday, and me and this other guy called uh, Miranda Fat so oh, we we were like two okay. jerks who made fun of her. we said she was fat or something like that so oh that's
3: most, so funny
0: uh, yeah yeah i also uh did a couple on law and order a couple of law and orders and uh sopranos mm-hmm. that was fun sopranos was fun sex mm-hmm. in the city was great cuz we shot it in atlantic city We we shot it at trump marina and okay. we spent you know i spent the whole day Tim Cattrall was just so much fun she yeah, she, she she asked she, me she, she seems she, it we were on a break and she said to me you ever play Baccarat? And I said, No. And she goes, I heard it's a lot of fun. I go, Yeah. She said, You want to play? I go, I don't know how. She goes, Is that a no? I <laughs> said, Yeah. And the other actor goes, Dude, when Kim Cottrell asks you anything, you just do it. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So did you do it with her? No, no, I didn't. I wasn't I wasn't gonna take a break from the set to run over. I mean, it's one thing if she plays. but, right. <laughs> but if they need me and I'm off playing Baccarat, I don't think they'd be too happy.
2: That's so funny.
0: They were okay. great. They're very nice people. They were great to deal with. Um, you know, the success of the movies is amazing. It's an amazing phenomenon.
2: Oh, I love that show, seriously. I think, um, you know, it just it takes you away, and that's what comedy does. You know, Rich, there's so much stress in life today. For whatever reason, I mean, I'm sure the economy... You know, has a lot to do with it, but um, have you noticed, are there more people in the audience because of that, you think? Um, I, I will
0: say yes. Comedy club owners will tell you no. Um, I think uh, my, m- what I've seen, not just in comedy, but in restaurants in general, and I could be completely wrong about this, not like I did research, is that I think people are saying, hey, we're not taking a vacation so we're going out to do something one night. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I, th- I think it's picked up, but a lot of comedy club owners are telling me, no, that's not the case. So I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, that's me- interesting because I think anybody's going to do anything they can do to get a laugh these days, you know? Because mm-hmm. if we don't laugh, you know, somebody, uh, a really good friend of mine used to have this saying that went, if you don't have a sense of humor, you ain't got nothing. <laughs> and I so believe in that. It's just like, you know what, you can't take life too seriously. And if you do, you know, it's going to go by so fast, you're going to kind of miss it.
0: You know? Right. Unfortunately, I think that happens a lot for comics, um, mm-hmm. where you, you just get so caught up in what you're not getting, where you're not at, what you're not doing. It becomes kind of a negative Just like any other business, and then you realize, wow, the only time I'm having any fun is on stage. And I, I, you know, I think I did that for a long time. I learned a lot from Dr. Oz about that, believe it or
2: not. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. He seems to to really have his act together. Yeah, there's just a
0: complete focus to the man that you just go, my God, uh, I get that, you know. uh, So it's, you know, instead of sitting around lamenting what's not happening, move forward and do what you can do. And that, to me, is really, in any business, I think that's the case. It's, you, you can't sit around going, I can't believe I didn't get this. You need to go, okay, I'm moving on to that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's so, so true. And, you know, it's sometimes you just got to, it's, I think one of the hardest parts about business, Rich, is, and it applies to comedy, Is that if something's not working, even though you have your heart and soul into it, you have to be brutally honest with yourself. That maybe, not to give up dreams or anything like that, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that maybe it's time to just shift gears a little. And Mm -hmm. I think some people get stuck in the mud and they don't make that shift. It's Mm -hmm. just like if you're up there and you're working on an act and you're like, I don't know. It needs to be tweaked. You've got to be willing to listen to the, your audience because your audience is your customer. That's and right. And in business, if we don't listen to our customers, we have no business. That's the Without way I kind a doubt. Of look at it.
0: I, think that, yeah, I think it's so true. I think uh, what we do as comedians on stage totally explains what you should be doing in any business you're in. You know, I know this is funny. Well, it's not funny. Nobody's laughing. Move on. Right. Don't do it anymore. And too many people get caught in that in any phase of life where they're going, no, no, I know I'm right. No, obviously you're not. Or maybe you're right, but it doesn't matter that you're going to sit by yourself and be right about nothing. Right. You know, you need to be able to switch gears. You You need to be able to realize when you're just banging your head against the wall and getting nowhere. And that's not an
2: easy yeah. thing to do. No, I know. And even in business, my biggest thing is you got to know what you don't know. And sometimes right. that's hard. <laughs> right. It's, it's hard. But um, so, Rich, I'm dying to ask you because you're the professional here in comedy. So when somebody makes a joke about something and they turn around, and they say, oh, I was really only kidding. Is it true that <laughs> with every joke there's a sense of truth in it?
0: Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. I I don't. I think comedy is complete truth. I think um, you know you can't. People need to relate to what you're saying. Well, they can't relate to something that isn't true. They have to. You know, they have. So yeah, I mean, of course you're. If I make a joke about how can we put this? If I make a joke about somebody being bald. You know what? I'll give you a perfect example. Do um, oh. you know who Jorge Posada is, the catcher for the Yankees? Of course, yes. I did a show for his... He has a kid who, had, who has a sickness. I, did a, I hosted a show for his organization, and his wife was there, and she walked in late. And his wife is so gorgeous uh-huh. that it's hard to look at. Like, she's that kind of... Like, you're like, oh, my God, this girl's just stunning. So when she walked in the room, first of all, everyone knew who she was, and second of all, everyone just kept looking at her, about how beautiful she was.
2: So we have 30 I, no one was paying attention line. to me. And <laughs> Wait, so I, go ahead. What? I'm go sorry, ahead. I interrupted so you. We have like 30 seconds, Rich. Go ahead. I had
0: to make a joke about how hot she was, and it was almost like everything broke. Everybody laughed. And then it was like, we moved on with the show. Because, okay, yeah, okay, we all know she's gorgeous. Okay, let's move on. That's funny.
2: <laughs> That's funny. That, And it's so true. I love comedy. And you do an incredible job at Thank it. Thank you. And you're paying it for next week. And I'm just so happy. So... Everybody, go to the Richie Byrne Show next Wednesday. It's Wednesday night, right, Rich? Yes,
0: 7 p.m. at Gotham, 23rd Street.
2: Very good. So, Rich, thanks for being a guest on Paying It Forward, and we hope to talk to you.